Welcome to the Front Porch Theology Podcast. I'm Heather, your host, and I'm here with... Will Basham. And we have a special guest on our show today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Olivia. Hi, Olivia. Mead. Hey, Olivia. Olivia. Should I say my full name? Yeah, you should. Welcome to the the Front Porch. It's good to have you here. It's a wonderful front porch to be on. Well, it really is. Yeah, it's a great place to be. I got an ale eight to drink, and Heather's got her vape (laughs) pen. That the youth Thank call you. it these days, a vape pen. It is what the youth call it. She these loves days. to vape on the front porch. Yeah. My what is that? Thing? I feel like that's more of a back porch thing. Oh, to that's do, a cup of coffee. I know that's coffee, but uh, what, this is what is a that highlighter? Thing? It says highlighter on it. It looks like a vape. Uh, no, just a ZR highlighter fluorescent ZP twelve ninety right there. So one time, I don't know if you remember this or not. I remember. <laughs> one time everything. I was preaching at at New Heights, and while I was preaching. I noticed that, like, on the floor by my foot, there was what I thought was, like, a USB thing. And it was a, what do they call those, vape? uh, Cartridge? Yeah, it was that. And I picked it up, and I was like. Why did I know that? I I picked it up while I was preaching, and I was like, somebody's, like, USB things up here. Sorry, I have ADD. And then, like, one of our younger congregants told me, like, that, like, Like they could see, like, from their seat. It was, like, a vape thing. Okay. I was embarrassed, but. I don't even know why I felt the need to pick it up and announce I'm that I found sure that on our stage. I'm not sure why you felt the need to share that with us today either. I just because you're okay. sitting there vaping and it reminded I'm not, me of I'm it. not. It's a highlighter indeed. So. <laughs> Anyways, we're not here to talk about vaping. Nope. Uh, we're here to talk about Olivia's new book. There it is. We are. We, um, so, Liv, this is, um, we're in the last week of April and something really big. You got some busy stuff going to happen in the next week. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. Um, I'm releasing a book, so coming up May 2nd, it will be out to the world. Nice. You nervous? Yes. <laughs> Very. <laughs> um, so let's talk, we're going to have a book launch, right? Um, yeah. Party? Uh, yeah. Book launch party, sorry. <laughs> On uh, May the 1st, correct? Yes. Yeah, at the church. So um, we're excited about that and uh, just excited to celebrate with you and celebrate the uh, work that you've put out. So I wanted to get started today, unless Will has any other inappropriate stories. That's all I have for now. I'm um, not saying that there won't be more. I wanted you to live, be able to give a little bit um, of your personal background, like um, your family, um, your educational and your career background. Um, and I'll, I'm going somewhere with that, <laughs> the reason that I want you to do that. So if you don't care, just kind of uh, tell us who you are, um, your family, as in your uh, the family you currently uh, live with, <laughs> and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your career and uh, the last um, the last position you held with Lily's Place. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm married to Matt. We've been married for this year makes seven years. We have two little girls, Daphne and Wren. Daphne is three and a half. Wren is one. So very busy in the Mead home. Um, I went to Marshall University. So I have um, a couple business degrees in marketing and then a master's in business administration. And so um, for many, many years, I pretty much knew that my life would be consumed by work. Um, and that's that's primarily what I worked towards. Um, I was very oriented towards um, just being in, in, I guess you could say, the corporate world. So um, my last position that I held, you know, you mentioned I worked at a nonprofit called Lily's Place. And so um, using my background in working in marketing and 
like administrative business, um, I really enjoyed using that in the nonprofit space. So what I did at Lily's Place, and I guess I could explain what is Lily's Place for those who don't know. Um, So Lily's Place is a nonprofit that cares for infants who have been prenatally exposed to drugs. So it's a medical facility, but as a nonprofit, they function, you know, from the business side as a nonprofit. Um, So there's a huge need for fundraising, for grant writing, for community access and support. And so part of my job or the majority of my job was focused on that end. So, um, you know, I have no medical training. That was not not what I did there. Um, But I handled a lot when it came to fundraising and administratively doing those things. And I loved my job. Like I I loved what I did. And I felt that it was um, not just a good fit for me but that I was fairly good at it. So when I left, um, it's been about a year and a half, almost two years ago when I decided to leave, it was a hard decision, but I knew that um, I needed to leave in order to stay home with my family, which was incredibly difficult for me, someone who spent, you know, like I mentioned, um, the majority of my life thus far working towards what I thought was the goal. Um, And then I quickly realized that there are other not just important. So it's not like I didn't think that my family was important as I was working or that you can't work and, and, um, you know, be at home as well. It just became clear to, to me and to our family that that was the right thing for me to do. So, um, definitely kind of went through my own sort of understanding of what it meant to be productive or (laughs) what it meant to serve or what it meant to work. Um, And was there a time like in all of that where you kind of grieved what you, you know, what you, you know, you kind of had worked so hard in school and built yourself up um, like that you had to like have a time and space to grieve, like walking away from that and going into the season that you knew that was meant for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was hard for me leading up to even making the decision to leave. It's like, I think I knew that I needed to, and that that's what I was moving towards, but it took me a really long time to actually make the decision and say, okay, this is what I'm doing. Um, and so when I left, it was in 2020. So wild year, um, in itself, but I was also pregnant with Ren, okay. our second our second child. Um, so I was pre- about six months pregnant, six, seven months pregnant when I left um, working and transitioned to home. So I just kind of jumped right into this other, you know, season. And so I feel like I didn't initially have time to, to mourn or grieve the loss of this whole other life, you know, season of life that I had um, until a little later. And and then it kind of hit me a little harder. So yeah. So I wanted you to kind of give us your background. And, and you did that uh, perfectly. And um, just talking about where you were, because I think it's going to be really important for um, not only the people who are listening to this podcast, but also the people who may be who may read your book, um, talking about ordinary faithfulness to kind of know uh, where who you are and where you've been, um, and how that kind of gives gives you this space and place to write about ordinary faithfulness because I think a lot of times when we read a book from somebody um we think well they haven't lived through this or they don't know you know they haven't had to step away from this or that you know mm-hmm. so um, thank you for sharing a little bit about your uh, background with us so uh, we'll go ahead and jump into like the questions about the book um so what is ordinary faithfulness that's a big loaded question <laughs> isn't it yeah so um just from from i guess if i could give a very simple definition of ordinary faithfulness it is being um you know walking in obedience 
um, of the gospel. So obeying the commands of the Lord that are given to us in scripture in very simple ways. So um, how do we how do we look at worship in terms of being home with your kids? How do we look at discipleship in terms of eating lunch with your coworkers? How do we look at mission in terms of um, you know just serving at you know your local food bank on a Saturday morning? How do those things translate into actually being a faithful Christian or um, you know what we would consider a quote unquote good Christian? Like kind of reorienting reorienting what it means. Um, to to do and do those things. So you just kind of uh, led right into the next question so smoothly. So there are three sections in the book, and it's uh, the book is designed to walk through th- the three main themes, worship, discipleship, and mi- uh, mission work. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, like, when you were writing this, um, like, what audience did you have in mind when you were writing this? Like, I know a lot of... Um, as I was reading and, and reading different parts of it this weekend, like, I think as a mom, I could definitely relate to it. Um, <laughs> I had just read the introduction on Saturday morning when Benjamin, like, ran in and was like, hey, mom, can you come and play with me? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just want to read this book. And But then it also, like, made me feel a little convicted because, hey, this is where I'm at right now. I'm a yeah. mom and, you know, the weekends are for him, you know. Um, so I, I want to, so I know that a lot of moms and women will definitely be picking this up just because of the space and ministry that you've served in in the past. Mm-hmm. But uh, tell me how you see this, um, like the audience you hope this will attract. Yeah. So I hope that, um, you know, when I, when I write anything, not just this book or, or, do anything, I guess, you know, I come from a place of my own experience. And so, um, you know, I am a woman in ministry, I am a wife, I am a mom. And so there is always going to be a little bit of that in what I do. But the book is not primarily, you know, about being a mom. It's not about serving your children. You know, it's not it's not about all of those things that may be like a small piece of it. Um, But what I hope I was able to accomplish in writing it was um, writing to people who feel unseen, um, particularly Christians who may have questions about, um, well, why does my life look this way? Or um, wondering, how can I possibly be of benefit, you know, when I am stuck in this, you know, fill in the blank. So maybe, um, maybe it's singleness, and you feel like everyone around you is married, and they're doing things that, um, when it comes to ministry or serving that you feel like you may be excluded from, or that they don't understand what you're going through. It could like you can fill in the blank for any of these things. Um, I hope I was able and what I really tried to do was was hone in on that idea of, of being and doing things that are unseen. So what are the margins of our life, where things kind of float around? How can we redeem that and orient that towards the gospel and, and it being something that we cannot just um, benefit from necessarily, but glorify the Lord. So in those spaces that um, we feel unseen, and we are unseen, like there are lots of, of, you know, areas in my life that no one sees. Um, But how how is God found and glorified in those ways too? That's one that's one of my favorite things about the book is that it, it is a book for everybody. Uh, ordinary faithfulness is something that we're all called to. And so Olivia in writing this has done a great job of, of just like 
dialing in on that and and like as a pastor I, I told Olivia this like I want I want men to read this and I think there's a tendency like when we see a female author right. all right that's a book for women um but it's not and um I greatly benefited just personally reading through it and being challenged by it and convicted by it and um I want I want it to go to a broad audience I tried to convince her actually to um uh, write under the name of OJ Mead oh, yeah. user middle the, initial yeah she said there was another OJ that kind of ruined <laughs> yeah, that name. Kind of, yeah. I don't know who she's talking about, but yeah. apparently there was another OJ that was kind of notorious, and yeah. so she didn't want to go that route. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say you know men that that are listening or might see it don't let don't let a feminine name on a book keep you from from checking out the truth there. So that I was actually. Um Get ready to ask you a question like that. Thank oh, you good. for taking my job. No, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk to you a little more. Um, so, you know, both of you have written a book, and Jason also wrote a book um, for Royal Go for it. Rural Say Church it. Voices. Thank you. I can't. Yeah. I struggle with it. It's that a hard word. word. It's to, a hard word. It's. It's. I think it's the hardest word in the English language. Yeah. And the only good descriptor for what it is. There's not synonyms for rural. Right, so I call it RCV. Okay, yeah. So um, tell me how you see this playing a big, um, you know, a lot of the books that you you and Jason wrote, um, the audience, while both of them, you know, I've read both of them, and both of them um, can be read by anybody. Um, You know, I think uh, I was able to relate more to Jason's mostly because he was my husband, and I lived through a lot of those experiences. (laughs) And um, uh, not so much yours because we have never, you know, I've never been a church planner's wife. So, um, but tell me, as a pastor, like, how do you see, how do you see other pastors, like, how do you hope other pastors will use this book, um, and even how, like, how will you use this book for New Heights Church? Yeah, I think like when pastor authors um, write, it, there is a natural tendency. Like when I was writing, I wanted I wanted the book to be read broadly, right? The one that I wrote. But there's like a natural tendency, um, I think, for pastors to have a heart for other pastors. And so, like, there was a natural tendency when I was writing for it to, I mean, for, for my thoughts to go in that direction. And, um, and it's helpful for, um, for people, for Christians to hear the voices of other Christians and, and who aren't in a pastoral type of setting or role. And, um, and so that was always, like, when we started Real Church Voices, that was one of the things we hoped for kind of the point of it was that we didn't want just like high intellectual academic type writing. We wanted a low entry level writing that would be accessible to a broad audience and specifically from people who are in kind of smaller, unforgotten spaces. And, um, and so, uh, we, we just thought, Hey, let's, let's, um, let's go for this. And, and the book that, that, needed to be written was ordinary faithfulness because we needed yeah. uh we needed some some guidance out there that would just that was just simple plain um and helpful to to orient people to what their life should look like as a christian um and and give some guidance from the scriptures rooted in the scriptures to that and so like as a pastor um I love having the resource because I can recommend ordinary faithfulness to like a new Christian, it'd be super helpful. Like, okay, what, uh, what does it look like now that you're a Christian to live a life that's glorifying to God or, or specifically like Olivia mentioned someone who's been in a church for a long time, but they feel like 
they don't know what their area of ministry maybe should be. Um, it's really helpful to bring clarity to that. Um, and so the Ordinary Faithfulness book was great for that reason. And so like so many so many different applications um, that could be helpful. And so we're really thankful for it for that reason. Now, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I haven't had an opportunity to read all the book, but I was reading through it this weekend. And um, actually before we start this morning, before we came in for the podcast and um I really love, um, you know, we Did have, you read the forward? I can't say that I did. Oh, friend. you should you should definitely read the forward. You I should can't. never start a book without reading the forward. Well. That's a that's like a rule. We don't thumb. need to discuss why I didn't read it. We're here to talk about Olivia. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to promote the author of the forward a little yeah. bit, but that's uh, fine. No, it's okay. Um, so, no, you know, the beautiful thing is we have um, – I don't think it's been intentional. I, I know the plug that you and Jason put in a few weeks ago on the podcast that we did. It was it was beautiful. Like I was so impressed. I sat there on the couch like with my mouth open, like, wow, how did you do that? But you know, we've had several that was other all Jason's creativity. I, he's, he's he's a creative soul. He really is. In the moment. It's it's beautiful. Um but you know, we've had several episodes on the podcast in the past, um, and even some more recently on missions, mm-hmm. uh, on discipleship. Uh, on worship you know we've uh we've had baker on a few times to cover worship and i love how um how even within this book that it it brings um just a focus on those three things and um and how those are a part of our everyday life not just something that we do within within the church um and i i know i was uh, skimming through but i i saw um several places where you just really focus on that how it, it goes beyond the it goes beyond the church building um in our right. everyday life so i wanted to talk a little bit um I had a couple other questions, and then um, I wanted to tell you what my favorite chapter was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So in the introduction, you said, in this season, God is teaching me to put away the shoulds and focus on what is. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about let's talk about that a little bit, because I think this is something that people really struggle with. You talked about this a little bit in your book about how sometimes it's hard for you to um, kind of live in the now whenever you're kind of looking ahead to Mm -hmm. steps four five and six and what could be next and stuff why do you think that's important for us as christians because i think so and i'll i'll kind of speak from my own experience and hopefully it'll translate well to maybe what others feel or are going through i think i have most often lost so much opportunity of things that are happening around me like today when I'm looking forward towards what is next for me. So what is the next step? What should I be doing? Um, you know, not just tomorrow, but next week, next month, this year. It, it's hard to find this balance between planning things, you know, planning and, and goal setting and all of those things are important. But what I found was that I was losing this opportunity to really serve the people around me today who are in my midst today. And so my children, um, you know, they want me to play with them. They need snacks. They need um, care and attention. And I have an opportunity to disciple them, you know, although they're three in one, like that's an opportunity for me on the daily to serve them in that way. And if I'm only sitting around thinking who 
who can I serve next month by doing this, this, and this? Or what can I do tomorrow um, when I have a little bit of free time in order to reach this person, this person, and this person? That's not a a bad mindset, but I think that it's secondary to what is actually happening in my life. Well, I'm a mom. You know, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm a neighbor. Like, how can I serve those people around me today and make that my primary ministry? And the rest of it, you know, will, I think, will greatly benefit. So the other things that I um, may do in ministry, like writing this book or um, doing a Bible study or whatever it may be, I think that that is, um, that benefits from my faithfulness to those who are around me that maybe people don't see. So if we miss that, and I can speak from experience, when you do miss that, you, um, or at least I have felt so um, disoriented and, you know, asking yourself the question of what am I even doing? Um, So yeah, I think that, you know, clearly, God has given us people in our lives for a reason. And I I wrote about that a lot and trying to hone in on that, because it's not by accident that we have um, these circumstances or people in our lives. It's very purposeful on, on behalf of the Lord. And so he he asks us and really commands us to be faithful in those things. That's good. I think there's like a tendency if <clears throat> like if we have in our minds that we have to graduate to the level of doing what the Bible commands. Like I have to mm. go through evangelistic yeah. training and I have to go to seminary or I have to do all these things before I can do them. In reality, what that produces is not more excellent missionaries. Instead, it produces people who aren't missional. Yeah. Uh, instead, mm-hmm. it produces people who don't carry out the commands of the Bible because they feel like they're not good enough or not equipped enough or not capable. And um, and I think what, what ordinary faithfulness does is it, is it – um, it convicts the reader and it and it calls us to actually just begin doing ministry in a way that's faithful to God, but honestly can look a little bit messy sometimes, but like embracing the, that and understand that's okay because God's called us to to get about that business and um, and I, and I see this you know in, in pastoral ministry a lot that a lot of times, um, a false uh, sense of like what's required to do ministry just, immobilizes people mm-hmm. and, it does, and people yeah. don't do it at all and that was something that you said in the book live that you know um with discipleship like you don't have to read these books you don't have to like take this discipleship training or class like there's an opportunity for it in your home with the friends that you're that you surround yourself with the people mm-hmm. you work with like there's no um there's no checklist that you have yeah. to like work through and that's a that's a beautiful thing about it and i think that you know in the the um Earlier podcast, which includes we, the book Ordinary Faithfulness, you don't even have to read this you book. You don't uh, have to, to, but to you be should. On, on mission, but but you, you should. should. Yeah. You should though. It'll we we would encourage that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I um, I have just a few more basic questions, and it's just kind of like more of a fun um, thing. But I wanted to see if you guys had anything else that you wanted to talk about with the book. Well, just kind of going off what what Will said um, about being, you know immobilized, I guess you could say, um, of like thinking we have to do this, this, and this. The Bible is full of just 
really ordinary servants. And I, I tried to write about that a lot. That was mine. That was question. your next question. Yeah. Okay. I was well, ask I'll who just your say it was though. So it's a hard question. Okay. Yeah. But, but I think that we miss that sometimes too. Um, like we see the Pauls and the Timothys and the, you know, Moses and Joshua and we miss, um, or maybe we're not paying super close attention or study to, you know, all of the others who are super ordinary and are not just mentioned in scripture, but commended in scripture. Um, and that is more prevalent than the the Pauls, you know, that, yeah. that we see because he was one man. Um, and not everyone is, is going to be in, in that sort of, um, you know, role or, or elevated yeah. or elevation, I guess you could say. So, no, I love that. Um, you know, I, as I was um, kind of just reading through it and, and making some notes earlier, I thought of a lot of people that I could think of who um, who have been a great example of showing ordinary faithfulness that I would love to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe for our listeners and people who, um, who are interested in the book, you know, I would encourage you to think of somebody that you know who you know that they um, do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that they um, that may not, they, you know, probably – aren't seen because Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want um they don't want the recognition for it but um i i thought you know that's the week that your book comes out is uh the week before mother's day and there's Mm -hmm. a few ladies who have um who've been great examples of me um shown it and showing me what ordinary faithfulness looks like and i plan to buy the book for them and send them a little note just to say thank you for um for your your service and your love um because that it's a it's a big deal whenever you um just take faithfulness. I think that's a big, huge thing that we, our, our culture has um, just kind of wrecked the idea of what faithfulness is. And mm-hmm. um, it's just a beautiful reminder the book is of how um, it's right in front of our eyes all the time. Yeah. And we just don't see it. We kind yeah. of probably become um, immune to it in a, in a way. Um, it's almost become transactional of yeah. like what, if you know, I can serve this person, disciple this person, whatever it may be. But what what do I get? benefit is it yeah. uh, for me? You know, what m- might I get in return? How can I cash in a favor down the road? Yeah. Kind of thing. When really, you know, we're not we're not at all called to that. We're not yeah. at all, you know, commanded to to serve in that way. Absolutely. So. And I think what what shines through um, from like my perspective as a pastor is like I hear a lot of stories. In counseling, particularly yeah. counseling and shepherding, mm-hmm. where where people talk talk to me about some of their hardest times in life, right? And occasionally there are some people that are like, "Yeah, this pastor really helped me through." But more often than not, it's usually like what we would say ordinary Christians that are like holding them up through the through the trials and difficulties of life. And so, yeah. like, um, we're crazy if we think this is all for for pastors. Yeah. Um, no, so- no. The beautiful thing is, like, I when I was um, thinking earlier, just you know, jotting down notes earlier, I thought of at least three women. Um, one who is single and who's um, kind of step back from some of the things she was doing to care for her grandparents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one lady who um, is very faithful to the church who just lost her husband a mm-hmm. couple of months ago. Um, and I've thought about how all the, all what a beautiful thing it is, like how they've, their roles have changed over the years, but still like even the things that they're doing, just mm-hmm. going forward, um, serving the Lord and in, in um, unknown times and unknown seasons and, um, yeah how how the believers around them have just lifted them up to um and we don't 
we don't see, sometimes we don't see the importance of that until we need it ourselves um, yeah so it's it's um a beautiful book i'll tell you my favorite chapter was chapter the seven. forward shut <sighs> it get over oh. it i didn't read it i'm not going to okay <laughs> chapter seven the liturgy of potlucks yeah beautiful that was one I of mean, my favorite ones I giggled, that I wrote. I giggled reading that. I read the whole chapter. That's the only full chapter I read. I giggled reading it. It made me just remember so much from my childhood. Yeah. Um, you threw in the word cantata, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't even know what that is. And I was like, it just took me right back to my solidarity to those that do. I mean, it was just beautiful. And, and how you talked about friendship in that um, chapter was a beautiful thing as well. And um what a blessing it is that meals can bring us together in a way like that, that mm-hmm. um, we, we didn't even know. So, and, and that chapter is uh, in part three of your book where you talk about mission work. So um, how, what a beautiful thing potlucks are. And, you know, I, and I thought about the hot dog fellowship thing we had a few weeks ago here mm-hmm. at church. Um, and just what a beautiful time that was um, being able to catch up with friends and loving on babies of our friends, babies that we hadn't been able to see in a while. And, um, so it's it's beautiful how um, a meal can bring you together for that. And Jason and I kind of talked um, last night about how um, we're really loving and enjoying the season season of uh, loving on other people's babies. Mm-hmm. He is he is keeping a record of how many times Ren lets her, lets her hold him as opposed to how many times she lets me. And yeah. he's he's winning right now. <laughs> Apologies so, to um, you. It's okay. It's, so, um, Liv, I would like for you to tell us how we can find your book, how we can pre-order it, um, where it's at right now, mm-hmm. to where if our listeners aren't able to come out to the book party launch on May the 1st, where they can find it and where they can purchase it. Yeah, if you go to ruralchurchvoices.com, on the landing page there, you'll see a link to click to go to the store and order it through through the website. So. I got it right the first time. Rural church. Was yeah, really, you did, you did, you did really well. Great. I'm very proud of myself. For uh, Baker, if you would should just I also record add that? In that you could you could also buy a bundle of all three books. Oh, from you Rural could. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. If you want to support um, some other authors. Yeah. And you know, sponsor and feed hungry children yeah. in the Basham home. Yeah. Or the Cook home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, ruralchurchvoices.com's got all the info you need. We will also be able to find it on Amazon. You can eventually. After um, after the book launch, after a little bit more work. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So. But we're shipping too. You're doing all the shipping. Yeah. Actually. I'm I'm going to come in next week and work yeah, on people the have this, Packaged this, with love. People have this notion that Real Church Voices is like this big warehouse somewhere. It's actually just Heather's <gasps> dining room table. Oh, I'm going to write notes. Um, some things when I you're, when shi- I you're purchase doing all things, the shipping of ordinary faithfulness. Well, sometimes That's when how I you purchase can be things, an ordinary like servant. Prayed for, you know, like I have a growth book and it'll say like prayed for on the date and like by the person. I'm going to mm-hmm. do that. I'm just going to buy a stamp. A little stamp. Like, Perfect. I can do that. Little stickers. Okay, so Liv, I want you. You to- do get a sticker with every pre-order. I can't though. wait. If you order before oh, the yeah, launch date, true. you mm-hmm. get a you get a sticker of the cover. A nice little sticker. It is worth it. It's a beautiful. Tea cup on the cover. Beautiful cup of tea. I'm gonna put one on my motorcycle helmet. Yeah, you should. You're running out of room. Um, Liv, I want you to close us out with uh, reading um, one of the few, one of the last cha- one of the last paragraphs in the chap in the last chapter of the book. Um, just kind of, uh, you said it earlier that that was your thesis for this book. So I want you to close us out with that if you don't care. Okay. 
We are to worship and surrender in mind, body, and spirit, remembering that true spiritual worship is rightly acknowledging God's glory in all things. We are to disciple those around us, renewing our minds to be oriented toward the kingdom of God in all things. We are to always be on mission, whether across the sea or in our living rooms, seeking to teach others the extraordinary news of the gospel. Thanks for listening, friends. (laughs) 